Can you? There we go. That's better. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. All good. Okay. We had some technical difficulties in the first service, and I was just afraid that was going to happen again. I think we got it fixed out. So, how is everyone doing this morning? Good. Did you all have a happy Thanksgiving? Awesome. Very good. Very good. We're glad that you did, and we're glad that you came to worship with us today. Um, did anybody get together with family and shoot anything? Okay, we got a few. All right, cool, cool deal. Um, who had the biggest turkey leg? Did you, did you share it on Facebook? No. <laughs> Not going to now, that's for sure. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, we're glad that, that uh, y'all had a good Thanksgiving, and so... My message for this morning, um, it has to do with some Christmas things. It may not feel like it at first, but it definitely didn't start off this way. Um, it started off, you ever have those thoughts where you're, you just got to like shoot down the thought like right away? It's okay to admit that. Yep. You know, sometimes they're, they're bad thoughts like towards someone else and you're like, oh no, I shouldn't have had that thought towards that person. I got to shoot that one down. Definitely don't act on it. Right? Sometimes they're just dumb thoughts. Like, you, you ever have any dumb thoughts, like dumb ideas, like, what, what in the world? I, I know we have some teenagers in the room. I know we have some dumb thoughts come across your mind, okay? I work with you guys. I know that. Um, so this was one of those dumb thoughts. And it, it, it entertained my brain space for just a split second. So I don't want you to think that I really entertained this thought for a long time and, like, really started to mull on it and think. But... For a split second, it was there. And um, at this point, you're like, what in the world is he talking about? All right, so one of our goats got sick, and it was not doing very well. And so I started thinking through, okay, we're, we're new to this whole goat ownership thing. If it were to die from being sick, what are we going to do with it? Like, I've never had to entertain that idea before. What are we going to do with this thing? Like, it's not like a dog. You go bury it in the backyard. And I could have asked um, Aaron Sink. You know, he's probably got a bunch of ideas. But I started thinking, like, what, what do you do? It's sick, so you're not, we're not going to eat it. Like, fouled meat, that's not good. It's not something that, that we should do. Um, you know, I'm not going to bury it in my backyard. I'm not going to toss it out in the woods because, you know, coyotes will come up, and we don't want that. So what are we going to do? And so I started thinking through these different things, and here's, here's, my, here's my thought. And I, I just want to reiterate this. I shot it down immediately, okay? Like, just, just follow me with, with this. Don't think I'm some crazy nut. But, well, I, I am. But this was, I shot this. They just happened. Their thoughts happened. So I got to thinking, what if we sacrificed it? <laughs> right? Like, that's something that God wanted. In the Old Testament, there's all these different rules and laws about sacrifice, and it was a sweet-smelling aroma to him, and it was pleasing to him. And so, like, maybe this would just be something like a, a good perfume. Maybe God would like this. What if we just sacrifice it? It gets rid of the goat, right? Like, it burns it up. I don't have to worry about stuff. Okay, now, I didn't even entertain that thought for as long as I just, you know, let you in on Those are just all the, all the, all the I shot it down really quickly. The reason why... There's a, lot, there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons I shot that down. One, that would not have been an acceptable sacrifice to God. Like, if you read through the Levitical laws and Deuteronomy, like, it would sick 
you're not supposed to offer a sick goat to God. That's not, it's not the best. It's not the prime. It's not the cream of the crop. It's not the best. You don't do that. Another reason, this goat has spots. And I don't know if it specifically says about goats, but I know for, for sheep, for lambs, like, you don't offer a, lamb, a spotted lamb. Like, that's not something that you do. You give God the best. You give God the best. Um, another good reason is Jesus died for us. Like, we don't do this today, right? This is not something that on this side of history that we do. Jesus is the atonement for our sins. We, we don't sacrifice. The fourth reason is because people would literally think I'm a nut, all right? So, so we're just not going to do this. So it got me thinking, though, what is sacrifice? Like, it, it led me down this path of what, what, what is a sacrifice? And I, I've read the Bible. I know what a sacrifice is. I know the purpose of it is to atone sin and an offering to God. But, like, why? Why would, why would God go that route? What, what is the purpose of offering a, a, a lamb or a goat or an ox what is this whole idea of sacrifice? And so it kind of led me to this point, and I created a message off of it. So that's what you're going to hear today. So, yeah, you know, just to kind of back up a little bit, um, a lot of times, especially this side of history, in our modern-day Western-minded thinking, animal sacrifice is just not something that we do or talk about. It, oftentimes, if you do, you're going to get labeled a, a crazy nut, <laughs> or you're going to get labeled like some sort of like cult follower, or it's just some sort of voodoo black magic thing. Like we just we don't we don't do that today for all the reasons that I just listed, right? We don't do that. But in ancient times, that was very common, and not even in um, Old Testament Israel, but also a lot of the ancient religions there was sacrificial. Worships and, and worships, offerings that were, were given to worship of, of a deity of some sort. Like, so it was a common thing. It was a common religious practice. It's just something that people would do. Um, on this side of history, it's just not, right? It's not. However, let me say it this way, though. Um, in a non-spiritual sense, animals are sacrificed for us every day. Are there any meat eaters in the room? All right. An animal laid down its life for you so that you could have life. Like, you ever think about that before? And a lot of times we don't really think about that because most of the time we go to the grocery store, we don't see, you know, a cow being butchered in right here where we can visually see it. You know, it, it, we have this disconnect where we just go to the store, we get our food, and this is a steak. It's not an animal. It's not a dead animal. It's a steak, Right? Or this is, this is a, a chicken leg. It wasn't from a real chicken. It's just food that we eat. But in, in a sense, the animal gave its life for your life in, in a non-spiritual sense. And so to some extent, sacrifice is giving up of something for the betterment of something else. Sacrifice is laying down a life for another life to give life. And that was the main point of some of the sacrifices that we see in the Old Testament. And ultimately, it was to cover your blood and you, of, to cover your sin with its blood, with its lifeblood. And so I got to thinking, like, this side of history, are we to make any sacrifices? Not animal sacrifices like that. But there is a sense in, in Scripture where we are 
to sacrifice. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 1. Many of you know this verse by heart. You know exactly where I'm going with this. Um, But we're going to dive in a little deeper today. Take it a little further. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. In the first service, I was all discombobulated because I was using a different phone. And, uh, mic wasn't working, and I had to Tony Evans it, hold my mic like this, but I don't typically like to do that. All right, if you're there, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your promises, God. And I thank you for your commands. And God, I pray that as we, as we open this up today and we look at this idea of sacrifice and what it means and how we need to, to go about this, Lord, I pray that you would speak. That you would speak through me, that you would speak to your people that you would work, God, and that you would do some amazing things in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. Many of you have this whole verse memorized. Maybe you remember back from your days of, of Awana or, or just memorization of Scripture. You know this verse. Some of you, maybe it's a life verse for you. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The interesting thing about this is that the sacrifice is not dead. It is alive. It is alive. And it is you. It is your body that God is wanting you to present to him as an alive sacrifice. But I want to back up a little bit. See, it says here, I present to you by the mercies of God. And I read that a lot, and I know what that means. I know what God's mercy is. I know what, it, what that means for me. You know, I, I deserve death and, and hell and, and eternal punishment for my sins, and God has had mercy on me because of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he gave in his life, and I know that. But I want to take this a little bit further. I want to dive into this idea of mercy a little bit further, and maybe it will mean a little bit more to you because it did me when I, when I really capt, uh, captured this and saw this. So if you back up a little bit in Romans 11, um, in verse 28, it says this. So, so Paul is speaking to the Roman church here. He's speaking to Gentiles and Jews, but primarily a, a Gentile audience. And he's explaining to them this mystery of Israel's salvation. You see, the thing is, is Israel is God's chosen people. It was his elect, and they had a relationship with God they, through, through this covenant. And this, in this covenant, there were laws that they followed, and there, was, there were sacrifices that they made. And so there was this covenantal relationship that they had. But then Jesus came, and they crucified him, and they messed up. They messed up big time. Like, that was a big sin. This was the Messiah that they have been looking for. Like it was prophesied to them, this Messiah was going to come, and then he's here, and they crucify him. And so they really messed up. So look at what it says here in verse 28. It says, as regards the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ, as regards the gospel, they, Israel, are enemies for your sake, the Gentile believers. But as regards election, 
fact that God chose Israel as his, his people, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience. Now, when you read that verse, the, I, we're, we're good with that. The, let me just read it again. For just as you were once at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy. Okay, we get that. We've been so disobedient to God. Like, we have sin in our life. We have sin in our hearts. That's the whole point of the cross. That's the whole point of being forgiven by Jesus for him dying on the cross for our sins. Like, we get that. So we're given this amazing amount of mercy. But read what it says right after that. I'll reread it because I lost my place. <laughs> for just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience. You see what God did there? He used the disobedience of his children, of the elect, of Israel. He used that to save the world. Well, that's a big thing. And it was because of this disobedience that Israel had, that they, they crucified the Savior that came to save them, redeem them. Because of that, the whole world can now offer, can now, has an offer of salvation. And so then what it says here, um, so they too now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. And then Paul goes on and he says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Basically, Paul is saying, wow. Because of Israel's disobedience, we all have a chance to be saved. That's God's mercy. That's God's mercy on us. So I just want to recap this. So the mercies of God. The mercies of God. The Jews were sent a Savior. Okay, we got that. We understand this. The Savior was crucified by the Jews. Okay, we got that. Like we, we know the Easter story. That's, that's all that would happen. The Gentiles received God's mercy. Okay, like that's part of the gospel message. But then also, the Jews receive God's mercy. And so this is the way to salvation for everyone. You're not going to go through this covenantal uh, sacrificial method and, and keeping the laws. It's through Jesus Christ for everyone. And so Paul is saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by God's mercy, by the mercy of God, by this mercy that he has had on all of the disobedient people of this world, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The mercy of God. Jesus died on the cross for your sins in your place so that you didn't have to experience eternal punishment. So what are you going to give back to him? What are you going to give back to him? Like how are, how are you going to be able to repay that gift that he has freely given you? Are you going to give back your righteousness because that's not good enough? Are you going to give back your holiness because that's not good enough? Are you going to give back your wealth? That's not going to do anything for God. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There's nothing you can do to repay God for this amazing gift 
of sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. So all that God asks for is that you would just give him your life. That you would give him your life. That you would lay your life down as a living sacrifice for him. Present your body to God as a living sacrifice. The interesting thing about sacrifices is, if you look in the Old Testament, there were certain criteria that they had to have. Um, Deuteronomy 17.1, it says this. It says that, there we go. You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep in which has a blemish, any defect whatever, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. See, God wants the very best. He wants the very best. That little goat of mine that I was talking to you about that I was, had the split second of you know, offer a sacrifice, would not have, it, that would not have cut it. Like, that would not have been an acceptable sacrifice to God because it was sick. It had a blemish. God wants the very, very, very best. He has impeccable taste. Who in here likes to cook? Okay. Who in here likes to eat? All right. Yeah. Who in here likes to cook what you eat? Okay, yep. And who in here oftentimes would rather have what you eat over something you might get in a restaurant? Okay. All right, there's not a lot of meals that I'm good at making, uh, but I do have a couple things that I, that I really enjoy. And one of those, and I've talked, I've talked to you about it from here before, um, it, it's my salmon. I really enjoy my salmon, okay? And I've, I've said it before. I have all these different ingredients, yada, yada, yada. Put it in a tinfoil, um, put it in tinfoil, put everything together, and I like to cook it over a campfire. You get the smoke and everything. There's something about that that is so good. I would much rather eat that salmon as opposed to going to a restaurant and getting some salmon. Like, I, I've, I've done it before, you know, after making this salmon, oh, yeah, it's so good. And then Heather and I go out to, like, Red Lobster or something, and I order salmon. I'm like, man, mm, how much did I spend for that thing? Hmm. And it would have been a lot cheaper if I'd just done this at home. Why did I waste my money? Right? To me, that is the best. It is the best. And I'm sure you have your recipes that to you, no one can top that. No one can top that. That is the best. God has impeccable taste, and he requires the very best from us. And here's the thing. He knows what our best is. Now, he's not saying that, I prefer you over you because you're better than, no. He wants the best from you. And that's part of that being that living sacrifice. It's not what you have cut away from your life. It's what you are doing with your life that is the best for him. You see, uh, Christians, we're really good at the don'ts. Right? We're, we're really good at saying, you know, I'm a Christian, so that means I don't do this. And I don't do that. And I'm not preaching against that. I mean, there are things that we just need to not do because they are sinful. <laughs> right? Like, that is good. But oftentimes we get caught up in the fact that my sacrifice to God is all the things that I have cut away. I am mortifying the flesh, and we need to do that. We need to do that. I'm not preaching against that. We need to draw lines in the sand. We need to have guardrails. We need to have things put up so that we don't fall into sin and fall into temptation. But sometimes we get so focused and we camp out on those things. We say, I'm a Christian, therefore I don't do this. I, I don't watch certain movies. There's a certain genre of movie, I just don't watch that. Or there's a certain places on the Internet that I just I don't go. 
or there's certain people that because of their actions and what they do, I just, I don't hang out with this crew. Or um, there's certain substances that I just don't put into my body because of what it's going to do to me. Okay, and we're really good at saying, because I'm a Christian, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. But a living sacrifice, that's not what that looks like. Like, there, there is a point, there is a point, but the living sacrifice is what you do for God. See, God has called you to live for him. He has called you to live and to walk out and to follow him. And in following him, there is life in that. And you are laying down your desires. That's the things that you're cutting away in order to fulfill his desires for your life. That's a living sacrifice. What, what do I rather have over here, what are my desires? I'm going to lay them to the side, and I'm going to do what God wants for me. I'm going to walk in his ways. The career path that I choose, I'm going, to, I'm going to follow him. The things that I do and how I serve people, I'm going to follow him. The way that I present my attitude and my, my, myself towards others and the way that I share love and share the light of Christ, like, those are the things of being a living sacrifice. And it's ultimately laying down yourself to say, hey, I'm following God. I'm doing what he's calling me to do. I'm going in his direction. That's a living sacrifice. And I lost my place. I'm sorry. Sometimes it happens. Ah, this right here. See, be a living sacrifice is to be fully at God's disposal. To be available and willing to obey God in whatever he asks or commands. Have you thought about that? You yourself, you are living to be at God's disposal. Lord, what, what do you want from me? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve you? How, who do you want me to be towards others? That's the living sacrifice. And so the thing about this sacrifice is sacrificing for God is a form of worship. Like we go all the way back to the Old Testament and see their sacrificial services. That was worship. I mean, the priest, as they are sacrificing these animals, they're butchering these animals, that is a form of worship to God. So you can't have sacrifice separated from worship. So in you laying down your life, that is a form of worship. So then I went down this road of what is sacrifice? I had to go down this road of what is worship. So we're going to talk about worship. What better time to talk about worship than the holiday season? Right? The Christmas season. This is the time that we all come together and we sing songs about Jesus and we worship him. We worship the newborn king and what that meant you know, over 2,000 years ago. And so let's talk about that. What is worship? Um, we're going to put some words up on the screen. These are some words that are found in Scripture. And they're Greek. They're not Hebrew. They're Greek words. And this first one, it's latruo. Can you all say that to your neighbor? Latruo. Ah, oh, there you go. Y'all are Greek scholars already. Latruo. Um, it, means, it means I serve, especially God. I worship. So this, this, this thing, just as where sacrifice, you can't be separated from worship. Also, worship, you really can't be separated from service. Worshiping and serving God are one and the same. And in fact, in Romans 12.1, that word worship there is latruo. So this is your service to God. This is your spiritual service to God. This is your worship, all right? Another word here is aineo, 
which means I praise. Can you say I know? It sounds like you're saying I know. I know. I know. I praise. This is a form of worship. You're lifting God up and you're giving him praises and you're, you're saying how wonderful he is and who he is. And he is, he is amazing. Like, I know. And then there's this other word, proskuneo. Can you say that one? Proskuneo. Good job. Um, it means I go down on my knees to pay respect or to worship. I go down on my knees. This is like that. I've, everything inside of me, everything is, is just laying it out. I'm paying my respect to you, God. I'm going down on my knees. Oftentimes, maybe you're in the moment of, of a worship service, and you're praising God. I know, I know. Yeah, you're praising him. But then something hits you, and God speaks to you, and something just moves you, and you just get to that place. Some people, they have different forms of worship where they just really get into it, and they put their hands up. Some people, like me, are more, like, internal, and it's just, it's hitting you. Um, but there's People worship differently, but this is, that, this is that term. This is that term. Now, there's another word we're going to put up, up on the screen because this is where our word worship was derived from. And it's this word right here, worth-ship. It's an old English word used hundreds of years ago, worth-ship. And it means to give something worth, to demonstratively attribute value, especially to a deity or a god. So this worthship, you are ascribing worth to something, not, um, not giving it worth, not giving it value. You're saying, this is how much this really is. This is how much this really is, and I'm recognizing that it is worth an amazing amount. In your worship to God, that's what you're telling him. You're saying, Lord, you are wonderful, and you are great, and you're, you're making these things known to him. And this is how much you are worth to me. So in your worship, are you worshiping like Jesus is really worth something to you? Are you worshiping like Jesus really is that valuable to you? What does your worship say about who Jesus is to you? We're going to look at um, a few Characters in Scripture. Um, you know, this couldn't be a Christmas message without going to the Christmas story. So if you have your Bible, let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Every time I read this passage, I think about Charlie Brown. I just can't help it can't help it. We watched Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. <clears throat> um, it was either Wednesday or Thursday night, I remember now. We watched Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, and then, you know, Thanksgiving is now over, so we had to watch Charlie Brown Christmas, and this was in there. And I, I just can't help but think about it. So, it says this, <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, verse 9. We're going to look at the shepherds. We're going to see how they worshipped Jesus. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. In Charlie Brown's version, it says, and they were sore afraid. My version doesn't say that. And uh, verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Before we go any further, just put yourself in the shepherd's shoes. Like just, just put yourself there. You're in, on some hillside, and there's a flock of sheep below you. You've got a, a sort of a perch where you're able to see everything going on. It's nighttime, and you hear the bleats of the sheep. Bah. Nothing really going on. Maybe you're watching out for some predators. Oh, I see something in the bush over there. Oh, it's just a squirrel. Okay, we're good. There's nothing really going on. And then the angel appears. Like, I cannot imagine what that would have been like. And then, that one angel is talking to them, and a heavenly host just appear. And they start praising God and giving God glory and, and singing to Him. And they're doing this in front of just a few lowly shepherds. Like, that's incredible to me. That's incredible. This is a moment where heaven and earth is touching down. And the spiritual realm is made open to the common people. This is an incredible time. But then the, the angels tell the shepherds to do something. Well, they, they told them to, the shepherds then do something. They told them to go, go look for this, this new baby. And uh, so in verse 15, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the, little, and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made, uh, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. That word praising right there. They were glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. The scripture doesn't say this, but I can't help but wonder. They couldn't help but praise God based off what they just saw. See, what happened is the angels came to them and they left everything behind that they had. They left the sheep. I don't know. Maybe the sheep came with them. In the nativity scenes, you always see a bunch of sheep. So I don't know. That's not scripture. But they, they, they left what they were doing and they went to go see the king. And in that moment, in that moment of leaving behind they go and they see Jesus and they worship him. And they can't help but praise him and glorify God for all that they had seen. That is a form of a living sacrifice. They sacrificed the things that they were doing. They could, they could have stayed there with the sheep. This is my normal routine. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm probably not making much money doing it, but this is, what, this is my livelihood. And so I'm going to give up these things and I'm going to go see what God is doing. And in the midst of doing that, they worship him. They worship him. Now, another moment that I want us to go to is in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. More of the Christmas story. Get out the Christmas cookies. Sit around by the fire. Get some milk. This is the story of the wise men. 
So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star appear when, uh, or we, we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now these, these wise men, these are interesting characters. We really don't know much about them. We, knew, we know that there were multiple. We don't specifically know if there were three. We know there were three gifts that they brought. We know that they came from the east. There's a lot of different debate about who these men are and what, who, where they came from. Some say it could have been as far as China, because that's near east of Jerusalem. Some say it could have been India. Um, some even say and have some really good arguments for the fact that it, they might have come from Arabia, which is a little bit closer than those. What we do know is they took a journey. And they followed a star on that journey. We also know that, that they were noble men from a, some country, whether Arabia or India or China or where, wherever. There was some prov- province that they were representing, and they left that province. They left what, the wealth and the amazing comfort that they had in this province to go on this journey to go worship the newborn king. Now, something interesting about them is they were not Jews, and so they didn't necessarily worship the God of the Jews. And though they may have had some of their scripture and their text, and they may have known certain things about Yahweh and some of the prophecies that there was supposed to be a Messiah, they weren't looking at him as the coming Messiah. They just knew, for whatever reason, they knew that there was a king that was born. His star appeared, and so they were going to go find him. Somehow they knew that. Somehow they knew that. They were willing to leave behind all of these things in order to go on this journey and to worship him. Now the word worship that is here in this passage, um, might have remembered the word praise was in the last passage. That was um, The word worship here is proskuneo. So they, that they would come to worship him. And let's read a little further. In verse 9 it says this, um, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it, when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going to the house, all Mary. Sorry, I think my microphone, maybe that's a little bit better. They saw the child with Mary. Uh, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. That's proskuneo, this pain respect, this deep moment of worship that they had. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so they worshipped him and they gave him the offerings that they had. They had left behind what was good for them, and and they went on this journey so that they could proskuneo, worship the newborn king. So my my question to to you, what is Jesus worth to you? Jesus was worth something to the shepherds. They left left the things behind, and they went to him. Jesus was worth something to, to the wise men. Even though they may not have fully understood who he was, he was worth something, worth something to them. And so they worshiped based off of that value. What is Jesus worth to you? Does it show up in your worship? 
Does it show up in how you serve him? Does it show up in how you love his people? Does it show up in how you devote yourself and your life? Are you laying down your life as a living sacrifice for God in all that you do? When I was in Bible college, um, there was a moment that hit me, and I understood what this meant. I understood what it meant to lay down your life, to give your life over to Christ fully and completely. And I remember I was studying uh, some doctrine. I was studying some theology. And there's this one word. It's called propitiation. And basically what that word means is that God's wrath that he has towards us, towards this, towards this sin in our life, he has a wrath towards that. It was satisfied in Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. Jesus was our propitiation for us. God's wrath was satisfied. I remember reading about this, and one of my professors, I remember what he was saying in the back of my mind. He said, anytime you see this word propitiation, you need to think God is smiling because his wrath is being satisfied. It is being fulfilled, and it's not being fulfilled in his creations. It's being fulfilled in his one and only begotten son so that his creation, you and I, can be with him for an eternity. And I remember reading that. And as I'm reading that, there were some, I had some songs playing. I had a, um, my earbuds in. And um, <clears throat> it was either iPod or MP3, you know, kind of date myself a little bit. And this song that's going on is Third Day. I don't know if any of you guys know who Third Day is. Um, it's, it's just a Christian group that I love to, to listen to and to worship to. And this song that's playing is a song called Offering. And one of the lines in this song is this is my offering, dear Lord. This is my offering to you, God. I will give you my life, for that's all I have to give, because you gave your life for me. And it was in that moment that I went, propitiation. God is satisfied in Jesus' death and burial and resurrection and his sacrifice, his atonement of my sins. He is satisfied in him. What can I give him? What can I give back to God? I have nothing. Even my, my goodest goodness is worth nothing to him. I have nothing that I can give. All I have is my life. And that's all he requires. See, he's given you a life. He's given you a spirit. He's given you a plan for your life. And he says, here, just lay it down for me. Let it be a living sacrifice. Worship me through this. So we have this song. I want you just to listen because I want you to hear these moments.
What do you have to give God? You have your life. Are you doing that? Not have you done that. Are you doing that? See, it's a daily thing that we lay down our lives as a living sacrifice for him. If you haven't done that, what are you hanging on to? What are you holding on to? What's keeping you from giving yourself fully over to God? If there's something stopping you, I pray that you figure that out today. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just reveal to you, here's the things that's in your life that's keeping you from going full force all out for God and serving him in every way possible and worshiping him fully. Here's those things. Lay them down today. Lay them down and move forward and lay your life down as a living sacrifice for him. 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for all that you do, for all that you have done. God, I thank you for the sacrifice that you have made for us by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in our place. And God, I pray for this church. I pray for the people that are sitting here today in these chairs, that you would speak to them, that you would move in their hearts. And if there's things that they need to let go of, that they would do that today. If there's sin in their life that they just need to overcome, that they would do that today. If they've not been serving you full force the way that they need to, God, I pray that they would make a change in their hearts and that they would just serve you every single day of their life. And God, I pray that you would move in only the ways that you can. May your Holy Spirit would work and your Holy Spirit would, would do the things that only you can do. And I pray, Lord, that you would change people and that you would move people to love you more and to serve you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can stand here. We're going to worship God. Um, if you need to speak to someone, I'm here. Um, if you need to just do business in your, in your seats with God, that's fine. If you need the altar to lay things down, that's fine. So let's sing.